Thank you for joining Empowered, a podcast brought to you by the Patient Empowerment Network, also known as PEN. This program is meant to guide you in your healthcare journey, giving you the knowledge and confidence to make informed decisions about your care. For more resources and to learn more about PEN, visit PowerfulPatients.org. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Empowered, a podcast by the Patient Empowerment Network. I'm your host, Katherine Banwell. Today, we're talking about the role of testing in multiple myeloma care, how results can impact treatment options and decisions. We'll also discuss new and emerging treatment. Joining us is Dr. Amrita Krishnan. Dr. Krishnan, can you please introduce yourself? Thank you, Catherine. My name is Amrita Krishnan. I'm the director of the Judy and Bernard Briskin Center for Myeloma at the City of Hope Cancer Center in Duarte, California. Thank you. A reminder that this program is not a substitute for seeking medical advice. Please refer to your healthcare team about what might be best for you. Dr. Krishnan, what testing should take place following a myeloma diagnosis? Generally, the testing we do for myeloma is multiple. First, the bone marrow biopsy. And it's very important to do something called fish testing, targeted fish, which is looking at chromosomal abnormalities in the myeloma cells. We also do imaging studies. And really, we've moved away from traditional x-rays, the, what was known as a skeletal survey, to more sensitive imaging, either a whole body MRI, whole body low-dose CAT scan, or uh, PET-CT. And then blood work. So we need blood work in terms of looking at kidney function, calcium levels, blood counts, um, and something called a serum electrophoresis to look at the monoclonal protein levels, as well as a light chain assessment. And then some other tests that we use for staging, something called a beta-2 microglobulin and an LDH and an albumin level are all part of the international staging system for myeloma. What do the results of these tests tell us about prognosis and treatment choices? So the, there's something called the revised ISS staging system. And that staging system incorporates some of that blood work I just mentioned. It incorporates the chromosome testing as well. So, and so it, it can sort of address the biology of the disease, to some extent the disease burden, and it is very prognostic. Um, once you have an RISS score, um, there, it's associated with a certain prognosis. You mentioned uh, chromosomal abnormalities a, a moment ago. What is the significance of those? The chromosomal abnormalities reflect some degree of the biology of the myeloma. Of course, they're not the entire answer. It's a combination of stage of disease, um, the patient itself in terms of patient fitness, what we call comorbidities, and then these chromosomal abnormalities that we do right now routinely by the fish testing, but there are other methods, something called gene expression profiling, which is a probably more sensitive method that really gets to the root of the matter of which genes are turned on, which genes are suppressed um, in those myeloma cells. There's certain ones that we look for. 17P is a key one. So 17P is a reflection of, of the P53, the tumor suppressor gene. And we know that if you lose a, a copy of that, that means your myeloma is higher risk. And if you, you lose both copies, even more high risk disease. So that's a key one for us. There's some other ones that we're interested in as we get more into the targeted therapy of myeloma as well. 
how is myeloma staged and what does that mean for patients? So the staging is that RISS staging system, or there's also an international staging system. The, that was the original staging. And then we moved into this revised ISS. That's why we call it RISS because it incorporates the chromosome changes to better reflect the biology of the disease. And, you know, as I said, the, the, you can look and plug it into an equation and get some um, assessment of prognosis based on obviously thousands of patients data that's been collected and assessed. Um, but of course that that's needs to be taken in context that treatments change. And so when that data was collected, you know, it was certainly treatments already moved beyond um, what those patients received. And also, again, every individual patient has some different responses to treatment as well as tolerability of treatment. So the RISS score is helpful to us, but it's not the entire story. Are there common misconceptions you hear when you see new myeloma patients for the first time? I think the biggest challenge and most frightening thing for patients when they have myeloma is that they do get on the internet and they see median survivals. And I would caution people because First of all, those are somewhat historical data and the, the field has really continued to advance very quickly. So survival for patients continues to improve uh, fairly dramatically. And, and you know every year we see new drugs approved. This year we've already had a drug approved in August and we anticipate next year CAR T cells to be approved. So survival is that's on sort of in the, in the public domain is really not a reflection of some of these more current advances. So I, you know, I caution patients in that regard. I think the other thing that um, is really this idea of individualizing therapy and, and understanding each patient's individual myeloma is very important. So you know, un- trying to understand why am I getting this treatment versus someone else um, really is that it's based on your own myeloma. When deciding on a treatment approach with a patient, what do you take into account when making your decision? So we certainly look at patients' health status. So we look at their kidney function. Do they have neuropathy? That's a very important one because some of the drugs we use certainly cause neuropathy. Performance status, which is a fancy way of saying really how fit is someone to tolerate treatment, meaning can you tolerate a more intensive chemotherapy regimen or would that make you too sick if there was a side effect or something? Do people will have heart problems. Again, so we would avoid certain drugs based on that. Blood counts is another issue that we have to look at because some, if we use more drugs, it tends to suppress the blood counts more. So all those things come into play. So we call those host factors or patient factors. And even in an older patients, especially geriatric patients, we're paying much more attention to this concept called the frailty index. That was a Dr. Palumbo from Italy has written a lot about this. So just looking at someone, you really don't get a true assessment of, of their fitness or frailty. And this is a much more sort of objective way of assessing that. There's things like called a timed walk, walk test. Can you get up from a chair unassisted? Um, independence and activity is daily living. Uh, comorbidities, all the, uh, those things play into that and that help us decide treatment. So those are host factors. Then disease factors, as I mentioned, those chromosome changes, the stage of disease, all also help us make a decision in terms of how aggressive should we be about treatment. Dr. Christian, let's talk about targeted therapy. 
how do you determine who it's right for? So targeted therapy is certainly the, you know, the goal that we're working towards in myeloma. To be frank, we still have a ways to go. We do know that there are certain chromosomal changes that uh, seem to do better with certain drugs. For example, patients with a 414 translocation seem to respond well to proteasome inhibitors. So that's carfilzomib, bortezomib, or exasimib. I think the thing that we're most excited about is actually patients with a certain translocation 1114, which is probably really what we say is our first true targeted therapy um, potential in myeloma. And the drug that we have for it is actually not yet approved in myeloma, but there's a drug called Benetoclax that has shown significant activity in patients with the 1114 translocation um, who overexpress BCL2. So we've done studies combining venetoclax with bortezomib or with carfilzomib and seeing extremely high response rates in patients who have that specific translocation. Now, there've been some issues in those trials though, specifically in the trial that's called the Bellini trial that compared patients treated with bortezomib to patients treated with venetoclax and bortezomib in combination. And the combination arm certainly had higher response rates, but they had a lower survival due to uh, a higher incidence of infection. So that sort of sounded a note of caution um, and also highlighted the importance of randomized trials. But I, you know, that has made us not lose any enthusiasm for venetoclax, but really, again, just understanding that we have to refine how we use it and, and some of the supportive care surrounding it. But I'd say that really is our biggest right now promise in regards to targeted therapy. Are there emerging approaches for treating myeloma patients that you're excited about? The thing that I see on the horizon, well, certainly CAR T cells are probably going to be the next big wave of options for patients. And the one note of caution I would have with that is, you know, it's not a widely available option. It is certainly somewhat labor intensive. You need to have T cells collected through apheresis. Those T cells need to be engineered. We need to administer what we call lymphodepleting chemotherapy followed by T cell infusion and monitoring for side effects very closely. So we require that patients stay close in the area for a period of time after the T cell infusion. Patients can still have somewhat low blood counts for up to six months after the T cell. So it is a very high, promising approach. Response rates, that's why we're so excited, have been between 80 to 100% in patients. But as I said, it's not something that you can just go to a local doctor and, and have as an option. So it's really done at specialized centers. But I think that's certainly a big step forward. The other thing that I see as a hu huge step forward is going to be what we call bispecific T-cell engagers, which are antibodies but they engage the T cells. So again, using the immune system to fight myeloma and they also target the myeloma cells. And we have multiple different targets on the myeloma cell that we're studying right now. So I think that's what's very exciting is this idea that we're getting, finding new targets on the myeloma cell that we can use to, um, to eradicate myeloma. And then we right now at City of Hope have uh, three specific T-cell engagers in trial with three different targets, one against BCMA, one against FCRFR5, one against GPRC. And we were excited actually about all of them. So I think that is going to be the, 
next wave of, of uh, new class of drugs that we see in myeloma. What advice do you have for patients? Are you hopeful? I, I think certainly the biggest thing is that the speed of research and the speed of bringing these advances to patients has been tremendous. And that I think it comes in waves. For example, we were part of the original trials for daratumumab, the anti-CD38 antibody. And that was landscape changing for myeloma in terms of patients who had exhausted all other options were now responding to this antibody for long periods of time. And it was tremendously exciting for us. Um, then we went into a phase now where, you know, the challenge we face is once daratumumab stops working and once anti-CD38 antibodies stop working, what are the options for patients? And now we see that we have new options on the horizon, like CAR T-cells, like these biospecifics. There was also a, a antibody drug conjugate that was recently uh, uh, approved as well. So I, I think it's as we just keep moving beyond, you know, each class of drugs, we get, you know, new options for patients who relapsed after the previous therapy. So I think that's very exciting for us that we, the biggest thing really, I think is immune therapy. That the fact that we're learning more and more different ways to engage the immune system to fight myeloma. Dr. Krishnan, thank you for taking the time to join us today. My pleasure, Catherine. I, as I said, I'm very excited about the future of myeloma therapy for patients. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for Empowered. Visit PowerfulPatients.org to access resources to help you become a proactive patient in your care decisions. I'm Katherine Danwell.